Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Well, hello and welcome back to Riverside Online. It's great to have you with us today. We're concluding our faith series today. So over the past five weeks, we've been looking at this whole topic of faith. We've looked at how Christian faith starts with the fact of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. We've looked at how faith goes forward and matures with the help of friends who encourage us on the journey. We've looked at how faith frees us to become more of who we're supposed to be, how Jesus invites us back into God's story of love and reconciliation. And we've looked at how faith helps us endure. And also, how even when God seems silent, God is still present uh, through faith. And actually, in those times of silence, sometimes they're the biggest growth times for us. If you missed any of those talks, uh, you can catch up with them through our YouTube channel, or you can go onto our website and uh, listen via our podcast. Well, today, as this series comes into land, as it finishes, I'm coincidentally talking about faith finishes what it starts I love those DIY SOS programs where, where teams go in and they rescue and they renovate and they transform houses. And often the story on those programs is someone has a great idea about transforming and renovating a house and they start off with great intentions, but then very quickly they run into problems, perhaps their circumstances change, perhaps they uh, discover things about the house they didn't know were there, or perhaps the costs start to really get out of control and they run out of money and they can't finish what they've started. One of the uh, saddest stories I saw about this was back in 2019 on the Grand Designs programme, and it told a story of the, uh, the, the Short family, and they owned a lovely uh, family home on the clifftops uh, in Croyd, uh, in Devon, overlooking the sea, and just had their own sort of section of beach beneath the house. But the, uh, the husband and father, Edward Short, decided he wanted to build a a vision for an Art Deco lighthouse on the cliffs. And so back in 2012, they demolished the family home and began work uh, on this incredible vision uh, for this, this, this dream project. And um, as the building work began, they began to hit uh, unforeseen problems. The rock that the, uh, they were going to build the house on was much tougher than they thought it was. And the excavation costs began to spiral uh, and, there, and even just putting the access road in from the main road to the property was a mammoth task and took on a huge amount of work. This is how the house was supposed to look. You can see it's got this incredible lighthouse structure on the end. It's got these incredible terraces that look out over the sea. And it's even got this wonderful infinity pool uh, that was all supposed to be part of this grand design. Well, when the programme aired in 2019 the house still wasn't finished. The amount of costs uh, that encountered had just spiralled out of control and pushed the family further and further into huge debts. And the deteriorating sort of half-finished building was being battered uh, by the wind and the rain. It had become virtually derelict. And to, to this day, the house still hasn't been finished. And the locals have labelled it an eyesore and it's been vandalised and it's just in a state of disrepair. And it's a real heartbreaking story of a project that couldn't be finished. Finishing things can be a problem 
for all of us, I think, we, we, we very quickly are quite fickle. We lose interest in things. We run out of energy or time or resources. And the things that we start with great intentions, often we just don't follow through and finish. A new thing comes along and it grabs our attention and we're off onto the new thing and the other thing remains uncompleted. That's that great book that we start. It lies neglected because we can't quite get through the last chapters. A best intention that we're determined to follow through on sort of fades away. And maybe even a, a habit or a discipline we think will enhance our life and make it better quickly loses its shine. The writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, I think, understands the problem that we have as people in finishing things. He says in Ecclesiastes 7, 8, it is better to finish something than to start it. A number of years ago, I was working with a church team in Birmingham and we had a consultant come in uh, to look at the different sort of work preferences and strengths that we had within the team to help us be more productive. And uh, we did all these various sort of, um, well, they weren't tests, they were kind of questionnaires designed to uncover who we were and how we worked we found we had lots of creator innovators in the team. We had explorer promoters. We even had thruster organizers, whatever that means, but we had those as well. We had all these different people styles in the team, in the church. But what we didn't have very many of, or, or much sort of representation of, was what the consultant called concluder producers. And these were people who were ensured that what was started was finished, was brought through to conclusion and fruition. These would be the Ecclesiastes 7 people who were, who were really keen to finish something that had been started. They enjoyed sort of holding our feet to the fire to help us bring to conclusion all our great ideas and aspirations. And without people like this around, the temptation that we keep starting things, but we don't finish things, we don't bring things through to conclusion. Well, as we look at this last talk in the faith series today, you'd be pleased that God isn't someone who struggles to finish what he started. God is not only a creator innovator, he's also a concluder producer. He, he is committed to finishing the work that he starts. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church he planted in Philippi some 2,000 years ago, he said this to his friends there. He said, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul was confident that what God has started in the lives of the believers in the church in Philippi, he would bring through to conclusion. I suppose the question I want to raise today and ask us is, are you confident that God will bring to completion the work that he started in you? If you've given your yes to Jesus... There's a work that's been started, but are you confident that God will bring it through to conclusion? Or perhaps you're struggling today thinking, I'm the odd one out, I'm the one that God can't renovate, I'm the one that God can't transform, I'm the one that God can't fix. And I think every Christian, to some degree, struggles with what's called imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome makes us believe that at some level we're faking it. Underneath, we're not really cutting it. Everyone else is doing okay, but we're the one that's not really making it. And, and we believe that somehow we're falling short or, or we're, we're not making the cut. And we have these doubts and fears that everyone else is doing okay, but we're the one that isn't. We're the odd one out. Perhaps we think we're the one difficult case that God just can't work with and that God will somehow walk away from us, you know, having given up, having tried, but seeing how inconsistent we are, 
he just decides, well, I've had enough. I can't bring this project through to conclusion. And imposter syndrome makes us feel that one day we'll be found out. It will be exposed and rejected for our lack of consistency. What I want you to hear today as we conclude this faith series is that God does not walk away from us. God does not give up on what he started. God is someone who finishes what he starts. He doesn't lose interest in us. He doesn't come across unforeseen problems that stump him and and, and, uh, he can't get past. He doesn't run out of resources to be able to bring conclusion what he started in our lives. God has given everything to you and to me through his son, Jesus Christ. And he's committed to finishing what he's begun. So today I want to tell you that faith will finish what it started in your life. When he wrote to another church, in, uh, the Apostle Paul said in one of his letters, he said, he said that, the, the work, that the energy of God is sort of so uh, present in me, I have to wrestle with it. He says, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And he wrote this in his letter uh, to the Colossians. And he, he recognised that when he'd received Christ, Christ came and began to do this transformation work within him. And he was so active and so present, it's almost he wrestled with the amount of energy and life that God was bringing to him. I think sometimes we we run the risk of putting our faith in the same category as a habit that we've failed on or a good intention that's kind of dropped by the wayside. We forget that faith isn't solely dependent on our ability. Christian faith is a partnership with Christ Jesus. And he brings all the resources of heaven when you invite him into your life. When you open the door of your heart to Jesus, he's not content just to come in and sit in the corner and wait for a cup of tea. No, as soon as you invite him in, he's like an impolite house guest. He starts to wander around every room of your interior life and and he's looking and he's prodding and he's poking and he's doing that hmm, ah thing that builders do that's so annoying. And he's looking at how he's going to remodel you into his grand design, into his master plan. And without permission, he begins that renovation work. He starts to knock things down, move things around. We're running around behind him saying, don't touch that, it's been there for ages, don't mess with that. He's taking things out to the skip in the front that must be thrown away. And we say, don't throw that away. I've had that for ages. But he's committed to this process of transformation and renovation in our lives to bring about his blueprint, to bring about his master plan. All the energy of Christ Jesus begins to work powerfully in us when we open the door of our hearts in faith. Jesus has a good plan, a good work to accomplish in each of our lives. And that plan is to transform us into his likeness by degrees, little by little. Paul describes this as being metamorphosized. It's the same word we use when we talk about a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. It's a metamorphosis that takes place as one changes into the other. And Jesus is in the, is, is in the morphing process of changing us into his likeness, little by little, day by day, degree by degree. And I think it's really important that we understand that faith in Christ isn't about trying to incorporate religious behaviours or habits into our life. It's about recognising that Jesus is working in us to bring about his likeness. 
And this is an all-encompassing work. It's not something we bolt on the outside. This is something that works from the inside out to transform us and change us. One of the most vivid pictures that Jesus gave of this partnership is in Matthew 11, where he described being yoked to himself. Let's read from uh, chapter 11 and verse 28. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the message translation of this gives a beautiful version for us to understand. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And when Jesus invited us to be yoked with him, he wasn't talking about a one-time event. The great theologian Dallas Willard said that Jesus wasn't just inviting us to share a moment with him. He was inviting us into a harness of discipleship. And he said a disciple is someone who is interactively working with Jesus, learning to live their lives as as if Jesus himself was living the life that they were living. When Jesus' listeners heard him talk about yokes, they understood that this was a piece of wood that joined two oxen together for ploughing a field. And they also knew that often a young ox would be harnessed to a more experienced ox because the more experienced ox knew how to plough. It knew obedience. It knew how to work from morning till night. It knew that sort of obedience in the same direction. And by harnessing the young ox with all its youthful energy and, uh, and sort of inexperience to the more experienced veteran ox, then the young ox would too learn how to plough, how to keep in step with the veteran ox. That older ox would teach the young ox how to plough and how to be. And this was a word picture that Jesus was painting for you and I. He was inviting us into this yoke of discipleship with him for the long haul, for the long walk. He said, walk with me, work with me, learn these rhythms of grace that I can impart into your life. When he gave this invitation, Jesus would also have been familiar with the, a different sort of yoke that was around at the time. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they were, they were trying to put their yoke upon the people of religious expectation and constraint and regulation. And this was a heavy yoke. And it was, it was made worse and compounded by the Roman occupation. And this was a heavy yoke. And Jesus contrasted his yoke with that yoke. He said, no, my yoke is easy. My yoke is light. And this is something that Jesus is trying to say will fit us well, that works well, that is designed to bring life, not designed to weigh us down. Jesus invites us to be yoked with him and to fall in step with him. Before the Apostle Paul, who we've mentioned before, encountered Jesus, he was Saul and he was a persecutor of the early church. He believed that he was doing God's will by going around and persecuting and imprisoning and even putting some early Christians to death in the early church. He thought he was doing 
what God wanted. And one day as he was traveling on the Damascus Road, on his way to find out more believers to persecute, Jesus revealed himself to, to Saul in this blinding light. And Paul recounts the story to King Agrippa in the book of Acts, Acts 26. He says this, I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Jesus challenges Saul, why, Saul, do you persecute me? Literally asking him, why are you pursuing me, Saul? Why are you pursuing me? When in fact, I'm pursuing you. But he tells Saul, you're going in the wrong direction. You think what you're doing is pleasing me, but it's actually the opposite of what I'm doing, how I'm working. And once again, Jesus uses the, the uh, picture of the oxen and the plough. And the, and the goad that he mentions uh, when he says, why are you kicking against the goad, Saul? A goad literally was a cattle prod, a long stick with a sharp metal point on the end, used to keep the oxen on track and encourage them in their work. And Jesus is telling Saul, I'm ploughing the field this way, I'm going this way, but you're going the wrong way. You're, in fact, you're going so wrong, you're actually running into the, the, um, the, the cattle prod, the cowherd's cattle prod, you're running in to the spike. And that must be painful, that must be hurtful, to go the wrong way. And Jesus, in his mercy, is trying to tell Paul, I'm going this way, but you're going that way. Now, a quick quiz for you. Anyone guess what this is a picture of? Well, if any of you guessed that it was a close-up of shark skin, I'm very impressed, because that's what it is. It's a very high magnification of the skin of a shark. And you can see it's covered with these, these sharp teeth, um, called denticles, all over the shark skin. You've got these sharp teeth. And you think that for a shark to cut through the water as quickly as possible, you think the skin of the shark would need to be as smooth as possible. But actually under a microscope, you can see the skin of a shark is covered in these teeth. And the way they work is as the water flows over them, it runs through all the different channels between the teeth, and it creates low pressure. And it makes the shark swim faster. It kind of sucks the shark along and makes it go quicker than it would do with just purely smooth skin. And the fascinating thing about shark skin, if you ran your hand over it in the direction from its snout to its tail, it would feel incredibly smooth to your hand. But if you ran your hand over the shark skin from the tail to the snout, in the opposite direction to which it swims, you'd probably lose the skin on your hand. And you discover that what shark skin has been used for over the years is sandpaper, because it's so effective, covered in these tiny teeth. The shark skin works well in one direction. It's designed to work in one direction. And what Jesus is saying to Saul is life is supposed to go one way, my way, in my direction. And you're going the wrong way. You're going against the flow. You're causing yourself pain. You're injuring yourself and you're injuring others. And Jesus, just like he said to us and the disciples and to Paul, says, if you yoke yourself with me, I can take you in the right direction, step by step, day by day, in the direction that I'm heading. We often think that Christianity is all about trying, trying to be a better person, trying not to mess up, trying not to do stuff wrong, trying to become more acceptable, trying to become more Christian. And the problem with that is that trying doesn't actually work. Dallas Willard concluded this when he said, we're all willing to do good, 
but we're ready to do evil. And what he meant by this was we're simply not conditioned that when, the, when tough times come or when the moment comes and we want to do the right thing, we're just not conditioned into doing it. So we try to do the right thing and we fail, we mess up. And what he said is we don't need trying. Dallas said what we need is training. We need to condition ourselves day by day, step by step, into a lifestyle that reflects Jesus Christ. Jesus said to his own disciples, your spirits are willing, but your flesh is weak. You're willing to do good, but actually you're not conditioned yet to be able to do it. And so Jesus invites us into a life of training, a life of walking with him. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, come to me, take my yoke upon you. And if we accept his invitation and we yoke ourselves to Jesus, then we're linking ourselves to a person who can walk with us day by day, step by step. His power, his experience, his leadership, guiding and transforming our lives. So I want to ask you today, what might it look like for you? What might it look like to take Jesus' yoke upon you? Maybe you need to start by recognising that your life parts of your life are going in the wrong direction. You're going in the wrong direction. You're going in the opposite direction to the direction God's trying to go with you. And repentance is just a word that means turn around. When people repent, they recognise they're going in the wrong direction and they repent and they turn around. So maybe some of us need to start down and say, actually, there's parts of my life or maybe my whole life I feel I'm going in the wrong direction. I'm, I'm hitting against things that are causing me pain. I need to turn around. So maybe Jesus is inviting you today to try things his way for a change. I think the second thing to do is to come to Jesus. That's what his invitation was, come to me. And you can come to Jesus anywhere at any time. You can just come aside into a quiet space on your own and you can just sit and just say, Jesus, I've come to you. I've come to you. I've come to respond to your invitation. You can just be present in the stillness, and in the waiting. And the third thing I think to recognise is that Jesus wants to help you. Jesus is for you. The yoke was there to help the ox. It wasn't there to constrain the ox or hinder it. It was there to help the ox become an ox that could walk and plough a field and in a sense enjoy the task of what it was being called to do. The yoke wasn't something to be feared or to be avoided. The word that Jesus uses to describe his yoke in the Bible, we often translate as easy. But the word there is is krastos, and it means gracious and kind. There's nothing in the yoke of Jesus to hurt us. His yoke is a gracious yoke. His yoke is a kind yoke. It's a well-fitting yoke. It's the best form of harness that we put ourselves into to be trained and to become more like him. It's a yoke of kindness and a yoke of grace. And lastly, I think we can can accept the invitation to take that yoke upon us. Jesus doesn't force his yoke on us. Jesus doesn't, doesn't, doesn't sort of, you know, press that yoke upon our own shoulders. He says, take my yoke upon you. We respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ. We take his yoke and we choose to put that yoke upon ourselves. We choose to link ourselves to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the best teacher you will ever find. He's the best 
life guide you'll ever find. He's the best companion for the journey you will ever find. He's the most qualified person to walk in step with every day of your life into eternity. In fact, he's the only person qualified to bring real rest to your soul. And when we link ourselves to him, our overall life goal then is to become more like him. So just in summary, you might be feeling all sorts of things today. You might be feeling like the worst kind of Christian. You might be feeling far away from God. You might be feeling that God could never really love you or accept you. Perhaps you're feeling a bit of imposter syndrome today, that one day someone will find out what you're really like and, and reject you. You might feel unworthy of God's love. You might feel any number of these things. It doesn't matter where you are, or in a sense, what you're feeling at this time. The invitation to you is the same. It's the same to everyone. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why not close your eyes for a moment? Let's think about how we can respond to Jesus' invitation to take his yoke upon us. Imagine yourself there with Jesus in front of you and he's offering you his yoke of companionship, salvation, friendship. And you reach out and you take that yoke and you place it upon yourself and it feels good. It's a, it's a well-fitting yoke. It's not a heavy yoke. It's a yoke of a, a sweet yoke, a yoke of kindness and grace. And now you're side by side with him. You're linked to Jesus. You're walking with him step by step through every day. And all his love and power and experience, all the resources of heaven, everything he has is flowing from him into you and transforming and renovating your life. And you're experiencing a new rest for your soul, a new purpose for your life. You're being trained and you're being transformed. And that's the invitation that Jesus gives us all today. He promises to finish what he starts. As we yoke ourselves to him in faith, we begin this journey, this incredible journey of transformation with him. We become more like him by degrees every day. And there's no exception to that. You're not in any way disqualified from that. He will finish and bring to completion the good work he started in you. So let's pray. We thank you, God, for your love and your kindness and your grace. We thank you that your yoke is a sweet yoke. It's a yoke of, 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 of lightness, of grace and of mercy. And we thank you, God, that you will bring to completion the work you've started in us, God. I pray the truth of that, God, would land in our hearts today, that you are working in us by your Spirit, your powerful Spirit, bringing about transformation by degrees. And Lord, we just want to walk in step with you today. We want to take your light yoke upon us afresh. We want to learn from you and become more like you in every way. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. 
Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Witch Riverside. <laughs>